Thanks so much for your full engagement and participation today as we get to come together. And there's no more fun that I get to have when we get to be together. I want you guys to know that. And uh, I just thought I would begin today as totally knowing that we needed to have a moment to pray this morning. So we're just going to take a moment right now to pray and um, just thinking of the loss of life in Pittsburgh this week and the craziness that continues to we see in our world right now and uh, in so many different ways. And so I just want to just, if you could, I know that if, if you were a family member of someone who is from or connected to Pittsburgh, that you would hope that the nation would be praying for you today. And so we just want to take a moment now. And so if you just bow your heads with us, God, just come before you. And Lord, I just confess that it's, as we talk about living above confusion today, it's actually confusing to live in the times we live. If we strictly look at it from the perspective of our understanding, but when we look at it from the perspective of the, what the Bible says, it's actually not confusing. When we look at what the Bible says about life and about sin and about the results of sin and what that does in men and women, then we would not be surprised. We'd not be surprised when we look at the difficulty that will come as we increasingly come to the moment when Jesus comes again. But, but we still hurt. And so today we just pray for you, God of compassion, God of all comfort, that you would be with those who've lost loved ones, that you would be with those who uh, are in deep grief, that they went to a place of worship, a place to express faith, and now they're dead. And that's just so hard, God, the, just the loss of innocence, the loss of life. And so, God, we want to pray that you would be there and with, and that you would do what you say you will do as part of your presence on earth as being our good shepherd. And then, Lord, I pray for us in this room today that you would help us, God. Some of us are struggling with uh, just all kinds of difficulties because of the brokenness in the world that we live in. Some of it by our own choice. We're going to talk about that today. Some of it because of the choices of others. Some of it simply because we live in a broken place. Lord, I pray that today we would just be comforted by you and that we would be able to see you in a new way and that we would be able to open ourselves up to the goodness that you want to show us, your goodness. By faith, we would trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Wow. Well, I want to welcome you to our service this morning, and that we're smack dab in the middle of our service, our series on the 23rd Psalm, as Dave just mentioned, it's called Living in the Goodness of God. And today, we actually get to talk about how do we live above confusion? How do we live above the confusing things of life? And it's really about how do I know God's direction for life? How do I understand uh, His will and His way? And I know that as soon as I say God's direction, uh, for me, I immediately stop to think about this, about how hard it is for me when I'm driving to stop and ask for directions, right? It's just really, it's impossible sometimes. 
And when I'm driving, especially when I'm driving, someone else in the car thinks I need to stop. It's even you know, more frustrating for the people in the car. And so I just, ladies, I just say, does it ever frustrate you that men have a hard time asking for directions? Does that frustrate you sometimes? Yeah. In fact, a man's favorite phrase is this, I know exactly where I am. I'm not lost, right? Right? That's our favorite phrase. Now, we have a lot of fun with that, but I just need you to know it's actually not a stereotype. It turns out to be a substantiated truth, okay? A study was done by ABC News that found out that the average male drives an extra 276 miles every year as a result of being lost. (laughs) I just love this. More than one out of four men, 26%, wait at least a half an hour before they would be willing to stop and ask for directions, okay? Half an hour. 12% of men refuse to ask a stranger for directions at all. If there's not someone they know, they're not even going to stop and ask. On the other hand... Almost three-quarters of women, 74%, have no qualms at all about stopping to ask for direction, okay? No qualms at all, compared to actually 30% for men. Now, I know that in our day of GPS and Google Maps that it's much easier to get directional help. I understand that. Unless, unless you happen to be like me. And so what happens is I don't trust the advice given to me by the phone, right? I'm like, no, that's not right. Even though she's saying turn left, I know we're supposed to turn right. I just feel it inside and do that. Drives my family bananas uh, when I do this. I, I bring this up because refusing to get directions while driving is a big deal, especially in t- with today's gas prices, right? If you drive about 276 miles, it's a big deal with gas prices. But Refusing to get direction for life is even a bigger deal. It's an even bigger deal. Would you agree with that? It's way more costly, way more harmful. Well, today in our series about living in the goodness of God, we're going to look at a section of Psalm 23 that the psalmist actually addresses the issue of knowing God's plan or knowing God's direction for our lives. Our good shepherd wants to be our guide. So if you want to go ahead and get your message notes out, you can. They look like this, and they'll be helpful for you as we go through our time together today, and then helpful for you later on. All the Bible verses we use will be here. You might want to take some notes that you can remember, and then you might be able to process after we're together today. If you have your Bible, you can open it to Psalm chapter 23, and so that would be a great place for you just to camp out today, even though we'll use several verses from the Bible, but Psalm 23 might be the place for you to be. And I just want to say this, if you don't own a Bible, because we believe the Bible is God's word for us. And we want to give you one. And so if you'll stop, there's a bookshelf right out those doors, and you can get a Bible, and that would be yours to take today. So as Dave mentioned, we're trying to memorize together the 23rd Psalm. And so we're taking it in you know, bite-sized chunks as we go through this, because we want it to not only get into our minds, but we want it to get into our soul. And so we're going to kind of work on this today. And so if it's your first time, you don't have to feel like you know, that anyone's going to be watching you, because... People have been here every time, and they're still going to be using cheater screens. And so we're, I want to ask you, if you would, if you just try, we're going to work on this, try, we're going to memorize it together, and we're just adding one more phrase today. And so let's go. Here we go. Ready? You ready for this? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Let's do that again. I just love hearing that. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. 
He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So that's his promise right there. That's the promise for you today. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So in this series, we're making it clear that in the Bible, that God is referred to as the shepherd, okay? So he's the shepherd, and we'd be called the good shepherd. And therefore, people in the Bible are referred to as sheep. Oftentimes, it talks about people being sheep and that God is the shepherd that leads them. And as we learned in the first week, sheep have this kind of reputation, but it's actually true. And the reputation is that sheep are dumb, dependent, and directionless, okay? Dumb, dependent on directionless. And because of that, they need a shepherd. They need someone who, got, who would be willing to guide them. And as much as we'd like to be called as human beings, we'd love to be called something besides sheep. When we willingly admit that we are sheep, willingly admit I'm a sheep, then we can humbly admit that we need a shepherd too. When I willingly admit I'm a sheep, then I can humbly admit that I need a shepherd too. But see, the problem with sheep is they just can't survive without a shepherd. In fact, no other class of livestock requires more careful handling than sheep do. No other class. And we're looking, using this book um, that, from the 23rd Psalm, talked by William Keller, uh, Philip Keller, excuse me, Philip Keller. He wrote this. Wrote this. He wrote this. And. Uh, I'm not going to get started. I'm going to get, here we go. You can look at this in the bookstore if you want to. That'd be a great thing. But here's a quote from the book, okay? And I love this quote because it's talking about sheep. But you know what? If sheep are us, this is me as we read this. Sheep are notorious creatures of habit. If left to themselves, they will follow the same trails until they become ruts. Graze the same hills and they until they turn desert into waste, pollute their own ground until it is corrupt with disease and parasites. That's the way they will live. They will go into a place, they will eat, they will just form ruts from going into the same path over and over again. They will eat the grass until there's no more grass. They will eat the grass until they pull up the roots. Then they will, you know have feces there and their excrement, and then that will grow parasites, and then the parasites will get into them, and it's just an ugly, ugly, ugly mess. The single greatest safeguard which a sheep has in handling his flock is the, for the shepherd to keep them on the move. So he has to keep moving them all the time. That is to say, they dare not be left on the same ground too long. So one of the roles of a shepherd is to continually move the sheep throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month to new places so that they don't ruin the places they're at because they'll stay by habit and they will actually destroy themselves because they will stay in the same rut. So I just want you to look at these sheep right here. I was telling Shannon this week, I'm going to be sad when the series is over <laughs> and I don't have sheep pictures to show you every week and we just like, oh my goodness gracious. Oh, let's leave that up for a second, if you would. Uh, and so you, one, you tend to just remember, sheep need a shepherd, and so they need a shepherd, and so that's one thing to remember. And then number two is to remember this, that they are like us. We may not look the same, but I bet you sometimes your face is just like that. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> 
And so we are like them. So what I want to do is I want to use this sheep shepherd analogy to focus on what we can learn about living above the confusion in our lives. And it's really, here it is. It's all about our willingness to follow God as our good shepherd. That's what it's all about, our willingness to follow God as our good shepherds. I'm going to give you three ideas from these verses. I'm going to just kind of take it like word by word, piece by piece. And the first one is this. If I'm going to live above confusion, I must listen for God's voice. I must listen for God's voice. I must listen for the voice of the good shepherd. It says, he leads me. He leads me. Now, here's the deal. Uh, from everything I've read, and you know, I, I wish, I've never had the privilege of raising sheep. Uh, we had a shepherd up here last week, and we can ask Roger maybe another time what it's like to raise sheep. But sheep have minds with their, of their own, and they need constant communication from the shepherd. It's the nature of sheep to get off the track the shepherd wants them to be on, and they make their own track and make their own ruts. Look what it says in Isaiah 53, talking about us as humans being sheep. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way. So the Bible says every one of us is like a sheep, and every one of us is constantly trying to pull to go our own way against what God would say would be his way or his direction or his will. Not careful, We'll pull and we will start living in our path and following the direction we think is best. And that what we'll end up doing is we'll end up wasting our one and only life. Wasting the life that God has given us. Like sheep, we tend to wander off of God's path. We tend to go astray. Uh, Matthew Henry, I'm going to quote him. I honestly can't believe I'm quoting Matthew Henry, but it's so awesome. Very first sermon I ever did, uh, I went to a church library and I'm thinking, what am I going to say? And how am I going to do this? And I looked, and they had a set of Matthew Henry commentaries and, uh, of the whole Bible. It, said it was a set, and so it was amazing. And it was written, you know, old English language forever ago. But this is what he says. It's so relevant to this message. And today he says this. Instead of walking obediently in God's way, we have turned willfully and stubbornly to our own way, the way of our heart. The way that our own corrupt appetites and passions lead us to. We have set up for ourselves to be our own masters, our own carvers, carving our own life, to do what we will and have what we will. He said that's our nature as sheep, as he's reflecting on the 23rd Psalm. And the idea is, is that we, we, well, we aren't listening to the shepherd that we're going to end up carving our own way. We're going to end up going the way that we think is best. And every time we do that, I'm going to cover this in a little while. Every time we do this, it's with me in the center. Every time I carve my own way, it's self-generated. It's me in the center, what I want, my wisdom, in place of the wisdom of the good shepherd. But notice this, it says in Isaiah 55, it talks about the fallacy of us being the ones who think we can call our own shots or direct our own paths. It says, God says, hey, guess what? I'm the shepherd and my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So basically what we need to understand is, is that the good shepherd, God knows best. We just keep saying it over again, God, you're God and I'm not. God, you're God and I'm not. Over and over again. He knows best, and he's here to guide us into what is best when we're willing to trust him and what he says. Trust him and follow him. But problems arise when I don't trust him, when I go my own way. In fact, look at Proverbs 14. It talks about this. 
there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. So if I determine what's right in my mind, it appears to be right, and this is where our culture is right now. Culture is, it's all about what I feel. It's all about what I feel in every way. And so if it appears or feels right, then it must be right. If my cohort, my community says it's right, it must be right. No, it's only right if God says it's right. And if I think it is, then I'm on a path that's going to lead to destruction. It's going to lead to death. Now, Dallas Willard describes what reality is like when I choose a path other than God's. When he says this, this is from the spirit of the disciplines. He says to depart from righteousness, and we're going to talk about what this means in just a little bit, is to choose a life of, get this, in other words, to be outside of God's path, to be going in my own way, calling my own shots, is to choose a life of crushing burdens, failures, and disappointments, a life caught in the toils of endless problems that are never solved. You see why it's important that we, do what God, that we follow God's way? that we listen for our shepherd's voice? Because if we don't, we're signing ourselves up for this, crushing burdens. And some of you know what this means because you've been outside of God's path and you still carry today the results, the consequences of what life was like, what happened outside of his way. Failures, disappointments. And then I just think this just, this just sums it all up. Life caught in the toils of the endless problems that are never resolved. Just continual problems. This is a big deal, folks. And the antidote to making unwise choices is to learn to listen to the voice of the shepherd. Listen to his voice. Because here's the reality. The reality is, is that you have a multitude of voices calling out to you. You have a multitude of voices. And the more and more we get advanced as uh, human beings and with uh, all the technological devices available today and the insights and the wisdom that we're gaining as we you know, move forward as people, the more and more voices that you're going to hear. And these voices are saying, here's the way to success. Here's the way to wealth. Here's the way to fame. Here's the way to achievement. Here's the way to fulfillment. Or here's the way to happiness. Here's the way to spirituality. And these voices are calling out, and they may seem right. They may seem like this is the way to go. But we have to remember the words from Proverbs 14. We have to ask ourselves, is this a voice that's going to lead me, as we're going to talk about a little bit, into ways and paths of righteousness? And if we're not careful, we will follow the voices that are just not best. They may be, they may be you know, lead us for just a short while to something that feels best, but ultimately they're not best. They may sound alluring or enticing, but only our good shepherd, you need to hear this, only your good shepherd has your best interest in mind when he directs your path. Jesus says it this way. He says, I am the good shepherd. I go before my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So the way watch this on videos because I've just become kind of sheep enamored right now. And so I'm watching all these YouTube videos. And so the way that a shepherd leads sheep is to walk in front of the sheep and to lead them with either voice, whistles, or chatter of some kind. And the sheep, the sheep follow that shepherd. So many of us, we think, and we've seen you know, pictures of the Old West, and we see cattle drives, right? And you see a cattle drive, and the folks are all on 
horses back behind the sheep and they're driving the, the, the cattle and they're driving the cattle somewhere. You can't do that with sheep. Freak out. They freak out when they're being driven and they need to be softly and gently led. I love this quote by Mark Rogers. He says this, the spoken word is one of the most powerful tools for the work of a shepherd. With his voice, he warns his sheep of danger and calls them to fertile pastures. In time, sheep are trained to know and recognize the voice of their shepherd. They know that it is in their best interest to listen to that, listen to this one voice. Listen to that one voice. And I love this verse from 1 Peter because what this would say to you today is that there's some of you today that you would say, you know what, I've been calling my own shots. I've been going my own way. I've been acting like my own shepherd. I'm experiencing some of the things that you just read about. And you may think today that God's mad at you. You may think that he doesn't want to be with you. And I would say there's nothing further from the truth. That God looked at you in your condition. And he knew that you would be in this place today. And he sent his son Jesus Christ to a cross for you. That's how much he loves you. That's how much his voice is a voice of love. And beckoning as he calls you in. And as he calls you back to himself. As you get back on his path, this is what First Peter says. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls, and you've turned to a life of fulfillment. Now, before you turn your notes over, I want to just show you the video clip we watched the first week. Now, some of you weren't here. You didn't get to see it, but I had so many comments about this from folks, and it was so moving uh, that we saw it because it's all about a sheep that went astray and was going its own way. And then the shepherd comes looking for the sheep. And as I just said a moment ago, he didn't you know, express anger when he found the sheep. He doesn't beat the sheep, you know, saying, what were you thinking? What were you doing? But he simply just comes to the sheep. And with his voice, then, he leads the sheep away with him. So let's just watch this and let's see how it works. So you see the shepherd walking away, and he doesn't have to, you know, have a rope 
anything. He just has his own voice and his presence. And it's the presence of the good shepherd that comforts the sheep. And then the sheep follows him. And they go to where the good shepherd wants to lead. And isn't that moving when you see that? And I don't know about you, but I, I have total experience with being the sheep that went astray and uh, understanding that. And I have such love for God that when he came for me, that he came for me with grace, truth, and grace, and that he drew me to himself, and that I made a choice then to make him as my good shepherd, and that I would follow him for the rest of the days of my life. Now, how do we hear God's voice? You know, how many there's so many times we just want, God, would you just say something? I want it audible, or at least write it down somewhere so I can read it, and it's from God, right? You see those billboards uh, that God says something? Well, he has, and I'll just say it this way. He did write it down, and he wrote it down in this book. And so when you read this book, inside this book are God's words to you. It's his love letter to you. It expresses his character. It expresses himself, and it also shows you your ways, and then it shows you how he wants to lead you into a better way. The Bible is a beautiful book when you read it from that perspective and learning his words. And I just want to just clarify one thing as we talk about this. We think about reading God's word and we think about God's joy, you know, from his word, I learn his will. So I want to just understand this. We talk about God's will. Okay. We talk about God's will and direction. God's will will never lead you in a way that goes in opposition to God's word. So therefore, if I'm going to know his will and his way, and then I need to be digging into his word, it's always going to lead me in the direction that he wants me to go in some way. And that leads us to his second thought. So if we don't turn to the backside of the notes, and this is, if I'm going to live above confusion with God's shepherd, I must look for God's guidance. So I have to look for his guidance. And so he talked about this. It says, he leads me, so his voice, in the paths of righteousness. So this is the guidance. This is the direction he wants me to go in paths of righteousness. Now that word paths, what it means is it means a well-defined or well-worn trail, it could have been translated as ruts, as a rut. So it could have said, he leads me in ruts of righteousness, ruts of righteousness. And remember we said a while ago, we read from Philip Keller, we said that the creatures are sheep of habit and they get into ruts and unless the shepherd intervenes, they will literally stay in them until the rut cannot sustain life anymore. They will stay in the ruts until they die. And so it's just another way to show how much that sheep need shepherds. But the cool thing is that ruts, when we get in the right rut, it will actually lead us to God. But we have to watch out for ruts that lead, him, lead us away from him. I always remember the time I was traveling from Shreveport, Louisiana to Dallas, Texas. It was in the wintertime, and it was sleeting and then icing. And so have you ever been in an ice storm in that part of the country? You know, it can just get so treacherous as the ice starts building up. It's sort of building up on the interstate. And as it was building up on the interstate, there was still traffic, and there were semi-trucks. And what happened is, is that the ice was forming on the interstate, and then the semis were digging ruts in the ice. And so uh, as you were going along, uh, you, if you weren't careful, you would slip down into the ruts. And, you know, I was driving a little Mazda RX-7 sports car. When I fell in the ruts, I wasn't getting out. 
And so I'm now stuck, and I have to go in these ruts until I come to a place where someone's managed to figure out a way to block off some ice, or it was at an intersection where people were pulling off, and I had to get to that place where I would actually be able to get out. And so I just want to say that today. Some of us, we've fallen into some ruts, and we fall in some ruts, and we're finding it hard to get out of these. And the problem that we need to know, and we're kind of just been content. I'm just going in this rut. You know, I'm just kind of going along because uh, I can't get out, and I'm just going to go and follow this for as long as it goes. The problem is, is that sometimes we get into ruts, and they're actually leading us in the wrong direction. They're leading us into the possibility of entering into a life of actually destruction. Anybody, you guys, anybody ever been in a rut before? You ever found yourself in a rut? Is it just me? Golly, I'm terrible about this. So I just want to say, when you think about your life, and you think about the ruts you're in, and let's just take in a negative point of view, what ruts are you in right now that you realize are not best for you? And today, God just wants to open up the idea that you might be able to take the next exit, move out of this rut, and then to move into one that would take you where he actually wants you to go. Well, sheep are the same way. And the only way for them to get out of the rut is to look for the guidance of the shepherd, listen for his voice, and look for direction. So what direction does our good shepherd want us to travel? So what direction does he want us to go? Well, he wants to lead us into paths or ruts of righteousness. And that word righteousness, now that can be a hang-up word for some of us right now because we're like, oh my gosh, he wants me to go in paths of perfection. And I already feel bad enough about myself, or you know, I've tried, I've done all these things, and you know what? I know I'm not perfect, and so I, I just it seems hopeless to even try to you know begin. But that's not what God's saying here. When he says when the word righteousness, it actually means true or straight. So he wants me to get into the true or straight path. And he wants me to get into the right path, would be another way to say that. It doesn't mean perfection. It does mean it, it, it doesn't even mean, imply that we're going to be perfect, okay? It doesn't even imply that. It means that we're going the right way to right living. That's what it means. I'm on the right way to right living. The word righteousness is a term of a relationship. It means to be right in relationship. And in this case, it's talking about being in a right relationship with God as my good shepherd, right relationship with him. So I can either get into a path dig some ruts, they're going to move me in a direction toward him and being in right relationship with him, or I can get into paths that take me away from righteousness and lead to destruction. Now, Romans 10 talks about those who choose not to look to God for guidance. It says this, since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. They didn't follow God's guidance. And this is the danger in our world today. So many people we refuse, refuse to follow God's will, refuse to follow his truth or live by God's standards. And therefore, they're actually walking down paths of their own design that lead to their own destruction. Instead, says, God says, no, I want you to follow the path that I've laid out that leads you into right relationship with me. Right relationship with me. Can you imagine living your life that way? No guilt, no shame. No distractions. No burdens. But I'm living in a right relationship with him, walking with him. I just think there's no better way to live. And this is an invitation for us to live in that life. Be right with him in relationship. But also, it gives us another picture here. So when he talks about what 
walking in paths of righteousness. The other picture is I'm in right relationship with others, with others. And that's why we talk about this a lot around here. We talk about if I'm going to be right with God, I have to be right with others. If I have to be right with others, I have to be right with God. We talk about this a lot, that we need to be people who are working on right relationships. As we have right relationship with God, then we need to show that by our right relationships with people. That's why we love the verse, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And we learn how to do that by living in paths of righteousness. Now, notice what it says from Psalm 25. It says this. It's a prayer, and this may be your prayer for this week. This may be the prayer that you actually take from here and you put it on a refrigerator or on your dashboard, put it on your device, some way that you have this show up. It says, show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth. And what? Teach me. For you are God, my Savior. You might even change that if you wanted to. I think this would be fine. You are my good shepherd. And my hope is in you all day long. Hope is in you all day long. So I'm going to give you an idea here. And the idea comes from an experience I had when I was about 22. And so I was living in southeastern Wyoming. And I was a surveyor. And there was a guy, a workmate. And he lived in a little town called Guernsey, Wyoming. Anybody ever heard of Guernsey, Wyoming? You will in a minute. You'll say, I know. I've either heard about it or you'll know this story. Well, it was famous because it was on the Oregon Trail that took people as they began to move to settle the West in the 1840s. And to this day, you can still see the ruts made by the wheels of thousands of wagons as they went on this trail. So I just want to show you some pictures. Here's some pictures. You can go see this. Let's go back, Camden, to the first one. Let's go a little slower. Thank you. And so this first one, this shows, you see the ruts that were laid out there. And so they would go through the rock, and they actually dug the rock down with the wagons. Okay, go to the next one, Camden. That's great. And see, there's just another picture. You can go to Guernsey, Wyoming, and this is a national park, or maybe not a state park, and see this. And there's the last one. And this is cool because it shows going through there, but see the rut in the middle? The rut in the middle, this is where the, the, the leader would walk. And then also at the end, the, the, the people coming up behind would walk, and they actually dug their own trail as well. Now, just kind of lead this up for a minute, Camden, because I just want to make this kind of an idea about what we're talking about. See, this is, this is what the early settlers were told, okay? After the ruts were formed and they're in place, the early settlers were told this. Just put your wagon... And the ruts, that's where safe passage is. Just put your wagon in the ruts, that's where safe passage is. You can let go of the reins, oh man, let go of the reins, and you'll soon get where you want to go. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what God's talking about here? Is that when we would get into his ruts, move down his pathway to right living between him and with others, that ultimately we can get to a place where we can let go of control and we can let go of the reins of our lives and we can trust him that he's leading us exactly where he wants us to be. I love that. Psalm 48 says this, I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written on my heart. Okay, last idea is this. I'm wrap up. I get direction for my life and live above confusion when I live for God's reputation. So the last piece. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Well, doggone it. I want it to be about me. Right? Isn't that why we're here today? We come to church for what we can get? 
We want to walk out of here feeling good. We want to say, oh, my word, it was all about what God's doing in me. Isn't it awesome that I had this experience with God today? No, not at all. That's not why we're here today. Some of the things that happened, but that's not the ultimate reason. See, when I live for his name's sake, it means that I'm going to choose to live my life in a way that honors him, that honors and shows my life, honors and shows the character of God. To, to begin walking in paths of righteousness, when it says that, it says, I'm going to walk in paths of righteousness, I'm going to begin this, it assumes already that I've not been walking in paths of righteousness, that I've been walking in paths of unrighteousness. And then it says, if it's for his name's sake, that means up until now, I've been living for my name's sake. I've been living for what it's going to be for me and how I'm going to be able to have my needs met and how people are going to look at me and how wonderful I am when I'm able to do this. Every path of unrighteousness has me at the center. It has self at the center. It begins with this question, what can I do to serve myself? What can I do to serve myself? So we have to ask God, God, stop the confusion. And instead of me living for myself, I'm going to put you on the throne of my life, and I'm going to live for you. And the word would be for your glory or for your praise. Look at what Psalm 31 says. It says, you are my rock and my fortress for the sake of your name. Why? For the sake of your name. Lead and guide me. God leads us for his name's sake. In 1 Corinthians 10, it says this, so whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now, what does that mean? Do it all for the glory of God. Well, let me read this quote from Dallas Willard. It's from a book called Eternal Living. He says this, to glorify God means to think and act in such a way that the goodness, greatness, and beauty of God are constantly obvious to you and then notice this, and to all those around you. That's what it means to glorify God, to think and act in such a way that the goodness, greatness, and beauty of God are constantly obvious to you and to all those around you. That's God's plan for us. He's going to lead me. I'm going to hear his voice. He's going to guide me. He's going to show me the paths the right ruts he wants me to be in so I can have right relationship with him and right relationship with others. I can have peace. And then that he would get glory, that people would say, golly, I tell you what, I know Ron Thompson. And I'm telling you, Ron Thompson can never do what I saw happen. That had to be something else. And what would that something else be? It would be God that God works through each and every one of us for his glory. So here I'm going to give you the key idea, and then we'll close in a prayer. The key idea is this. God never asked you to understand his plan. God asked you to, under, to trust his goodness. He never asked you to understand his plan. So as we're talking about today, he doesn't ask us to kind of understand this, but he asked us to trust his goodness, that he's leading us in the direction that would be able to bring him glory and be the best for us. In life. In fact, Proverbs 3 says this it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, you might underline, in all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your paths straight, right. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Would you bow your heads and let's pray together? So, what that verse says, those verses say there, is that I'm going to say to God, God, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to relax into you. 
into your love. And God, I'm just going to say to you today, I don't have to figure everything out. I don't have to figure everything out. And I'm going to trust that you're good. And I'm going to enter into a process where I learn to hear your voice. I'm going to enter into this process where I now ask you to move me into right paths, paths of rightness, paths, straight paths that lead me toward you and being in right relationship with you and lead me into being in right relationship with others. And God, I want all this to be for your glory. And those aren't words. That's heart. And God, I just thank you so much for your church and your people and how everyone here wants so much from you to know you, to know you better, to live for you. And I pray that you would continue to guide us as a church, that we would follow your direction and there would be no confusion. That what we do is for you. I thank you for that challenge. Help us to now take that into all of our life. I parent for you. I work for you. I relate for you. I play for you. Every year of life that I do it in such a way that people see you and your glory and how you can work through a broken individual just like me. I pray that for all of us, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.